Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Mary Hill Winery. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. All right. Happy birthday, America. We are, it's Independence Day. It's uh, July 4th, and I've got some beautiful people in studio uh, sharing some real American beverages that uh, found their way from Europe when France France uh, sort of, well, we liberated them. No, they gave us something. I don't know, a lot of history there, but uh, I've got uh, Nancy from Alpenfire Ciders and uh, Mr. Bob Ramsey, Robert Ramsey with Robert Ramsey Cellars. And it's uh, Independence Day. It's July 4th. Happy birthday, America. If you want to go celebrate the birthday, keep that party going. Um, go to Wine Rocks. It's coming up uh, this Thursday. It's uh, winerockseattle.com, Bell Harbor, 6 to 10. Uh, it's a fantastic event, live music, lots of wine, cider, beer, and more. Food, of course. Uh Tickets are like 45 55 bucks. Um, it's a full day. It's out on the water. It's on the on the pier down, downtown. Uh, July 9th, winerockseattle.com. And if you like spirits, yes, we do. We got spirits. How about you? Check out Proof Washington. Proof Washington Distillers Festival at the Fremont Studios Saturday, next Saturday, July 11th. It's uh, proofwashington.org. And we have, uh, I understand, 30, 40, 50 uh, distilleries from around Washington State all pouring their uh, their best products, their spirits, their white, uh, their white dog, their vodka, their gins, their absinthe. Proofwashington.org. It's a great event next Saturday, July 11th. Right now, I um, need to welcome my good friends from Alpenfire Cider. It's Nancy. Welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you. Well, um, cider, I've, I've loved cider for a long, long time in my um, <laughs> extended career in su- consuming alcohol. And uh, cider is making a big comeback, especially um, thanks to Johnny Appleseed and here in Washington. We've been growing apples for 100 years now. And um, let's talk about how you got started in the cider business. Well, we have been cider fans since... Uh, the early 70s, I guess, when we would go up to Canada, and in B.C., the drinking age is 19, whereas in Washington State, it's 21. So um, as youngsters, that was kind of a natural evolution. You go up there, and they have nice, wonderful Yes, cider. Canada had ciders early. Yes. Yeah. Okanagan growers. Uh-huh. The the big brands like that. Interesting, because it came from yeah. Europe, but also there's a lot of ciders from England. Yes. Yeah. Very much. And so um, you you were tasting cider and having a lot of fun and see, you know, A plus B equals fun, and um, you got in the business. So where are you located? We're just outside of Port Townsend, out on Discovery Bay. Discovery Bay. So uh-huh. we, what ferry do we take here from downtown Seattle? From downtown, you take the Bainbridge Ferry. Okay. And, and it's kind of a long drive across the island and the a beautiful scenic drive <laughs> across <laughs> the island where the, the uh, Hood Canal Bridge the rainbow of cider or the pot of gold of cider is waiting for you following that rainbow exactly um, so Alpenfire Ciders how'd you come up with that name well um, that was kind of a funny story we were originally Wildfire Cider 
And about two years into the project, we got a phone call that we would have to change that name. And so... What state was that from? Who were they? It was from Chicago. Really? Yes. And they were making cider too? Or no, they... it was a restaurant. Wildfire Wildfire cider. restaurants out of Chicago. Oh my goodness. And But they had a license to make wine and beer. And so that was where the overlap was. And um, they said, nope, that's our name. You can't use it. So... Okay. We had to rebrand at that point, and we had just had all our signs carved and all this graphic work done, so we looked for something that would fit in the same sure. size, and turned out I had a backpack in the 70s called an Alpenfire backpack, Oh, <laughs> and we made sure there wasn't any trademark conflict, and yes, went uh, with that name. The learning curve that it takes uh, uh, ventures to do beer, wine, cider, and spirits, and um, that's what we all learned here. It's uh, you got to do due diligence, but uh, I'm glad it worked out because I like Alpen Fire because we have mountains here, and so it makes sense. Yeah, we like so it. So Port Townsend, um, do you have an apple orchard, or how do you find uh, your base, uh, well, called the base spirit, right, or yeah. base mush, mash, <laughs> there's mashing. Well, you know, like I said, we first developed a taste for cider in the Canadian ciders. And then we went to Europe to learn more about it and to see what what other kinds of cider were out there. And we were kind of alarmed when we first started drinking them that maybe we didn't really like cider. I mean, uh, because it was so totally different. Yes. It was made with these apples we'd never heard of. It was full of tannins and bitters. It was more like a red wine than a cider like we were used to. Sure. So, um... But by the time we left, six weeks later, we were thoroughly entranced with these types of ciders. <laughs> Took a while, but yeah. you got there. Yeah, and we knew that we wouldn't be able to make that type of cider unless we planted our own orchard, because we weren't going to make it with the apples that were available in Washington State, like we thought before we went. Sure, because really um, what we're looking for is acid in, in these apples, right? And um, some of the tannin, or what's what's the secret? Why Acid's can't you use... easy. You Acid's can, easy? You can get that out of a Granny Smith. All right. But what you want is um, complexity and flavors, you want tannins, you want bitterness, and those you don't find in right. the seven apples that are commonly grown in Washington State. Okay, so. so how did you find, did you actually go to the johnnyappleseed.com and get some seeds, or how does that work? Well, we were lucky enough that um, WSU was doing, was bringing a professor over to teach cider making, and um, From they, where? Where was he? He was from England. England, okay. Mm -hmm. Peter Mitchell. And he was amazing. We signed up and took that first class. And then they also had um, all kinds of scion wood available. So we had the trees grafted and planted and um, so, waited for them to grow. Okay, so you actually had some trees already planted, so you had a root system? No, we didn't have any trees. Oh, I we see. We had to prepare the soil. We ordered the trees. Oh, so when you uh, said grafting, though, so they didn't just plug it in and, like, transplant no, a tree? No, they... they Cut the branches off the trees in their existing orchard, yeah. and then put them on rootstocks. The rootstock we selected. Oh, I then, see. So yeah. they uh, okay. I get it. Then you planted yeah. that whole root then system. Then we planted those. I trees. understand. Cause you yeah. said scion. I thought just it was in your uh, orchard already. So, no. um, what what varieties do you have? Well, let's see. We have um, um, bittersweets and bitter sharps are the primary ones we planted because we knew we could get just sharps anywhere. That's like a Granny Smith. So we have Foxwell, Filbury, Dabinet, names that people aren't really familiar with unless they're cider makers. And how many apples that are, are cider ready in the world are there? Thousands? Um, Hundreds? You mean apples that would make really good ciders? Yeah. Oh, thousands probably. Really? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. That is really some um, 
heirloom varieties. Definitely. Oh, yeah. so fun. And there's a difference between the heirloom varieties and the true cider ones, too. Mm-hmm. There's delicious heirloom apples that don't have tannin or bitter. Interesting. They just have a lovely flavor and a nice balance. So Alpenfire Cider, and I'm speaking with uh, the lovely Nancy Bishop, and her husband is Bear Bishop, right? Is that That's how right. it works? Yes. <laughs> Out in Port Townsend, and uh, you have a website? We do, and alpenfirecider.com. Perfect. And do you have regular tasting room hours, or is it appointment only? And... Nope. We have regular hours, um, Friday through Sunday, 12 to 5. Okay. I love it. Friday through Sunday, 12 to 5. So then yeah. you can come back on Saturday and listen to Happy Hour Radio. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and people are welcome to go out and check out the orchard and... It's really beautiful right now with blossoms. Ah, yes, yeah. we do love July in Washington. So exciting. So um, how many ciders do you produce? We have um, seven different styles. Mm-hmm. I see. And they're basically the same kind of grapes, or do you actually have different grape recipes for each cider? Apples. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did I say grapes? <laughs> There's no grapes in there, but they're very different. Ah, I need to be a cider sommelier because... <laughs> we um, need a cider sommelier. We do. Let's do this. Why don't we still work on a program with uh, Sherry Wyatt, who does the one of the yeah. cidery deals, and we'll work on that. I think that's important. That'd I'd be, be happy great. to lead that charge. All right. Um, I know we have a coffee sommelier here, but we need a cider sommelier, and I think that'll, that'll really help guys like me when I'm saying grapes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's ciders and there's perries, but we're talking about ciders. So alpenfirecidersdotcom uh, has seven different varieties of cider, seven different styles. So so um, what people don't recognize is that uh, the true traditional style of cider is basically a dry cider. It's, uh, you know, the sweetness is more palatable because we all like sweet, but a dry cider gives you the most complexity, the most uh, experience in your mouth. It's, it's really much like a fine wine, um, and I can say that because that's how we know. And uh, it's it takes a little bit getting used to, but once you um, uh, get acclimated to the the mouthfeel and the the bitterness and a little bit of the sharpness and the real complexity, there's a great palate underneath uh, in those uh, apples. Yeah, very different. First Uh, cider you have here is called what? The first one is Pirate's Plank, and that's a bone-dry cider. It's um, certified organic. It's made with primarily our bitter-sharp apples, which are Foxwhelp and Kingston Black. Interesting. So, tell me about the cider process. Um, do you do you harvest it early, or do you harvest them fully ripe when the apples are ripe? They we leave them on the tree as long as possible. Okay, and that's you're looking for sugar, right? Yeah, we're looking for sugar, and so we are generally harvesting in November. Oh, wow! And then the apples sweat. They call it for um, anywhere from two weeks to a month before you press them. Is that helping get the sort of decomp? Um, getting the sugars, the, the soluble little, you get mealy so it's softer? Yeah, it further concentrates the sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And you have an old, old-fashioned press with a big wheel on the top, or no. how does that work? No. You're not using your feet, are <laughs> no, you? No, no, no. <laughs> we have a really beautiful little press from Austria, Voran. Ah. Yeah. And well, how many apples fits in there? How many tons, or how do you do it? Kilograms, well, since it's from Austria? No, we have um, bins that each bin holds about 900 pounds of apples. Okay. And, um, you know, that's like a four foot by four foot by four foot bin. Sure. And we can do, if we're lucky, 10 of those in a day. 
Well, I'm tasting this uh, Pirate's Plank Cider. The alcohol seems about 6.5%. It's right, or is it more than that? Just slightly more. Slightly but, more, yeah. yeah. It's right in that uh, wheelhouse. Um, a very complex cider. I like that it's dry because it, it took me three sips to sort of expect it. Because we drink cider, we're looking like, mm, it's going to be sweet, like apple juice. But uh, that's no, how we kind of grew up. No, but now it's, it's very complex. It's dry. It's refreshing. And it's really a sipper. You, you're not really j- guzzling this down like... It's easy to do with a sweeter cider, like, um, but I, I love the complexity and uh, the mouthfeel, and it's a dry finish. So this is a great aperitif, and also you could pair this, what would you pair this with? Actually, pub food, like think of it with a burger, it's delicious that way. Kind of anything that's heavy. Yes. And you just want something really light and refreshing. I get that because really the bitterness is like an IPA. Yeah. You get the, the hops. Like I mean, it's a beer. Mm-hmm. It's got lots of bitterness and people go, ooh, they love it. When it comes to cider, like they're expecting sweet. And that's just a mental thing. Right. Um, so this comes in a 16 ounce bottle. Um, 500 mil. 500 mil. Yes. Okay. And that would yeah. be... Uh... That's about that. <laughs> it's close to 16 ounces. So what does this run? Um, those are twelve ninety nine. And uh, where do we find them? Um, Whole Foods, Metropolitan Markets. Perfect. Some PCCs. That's great. Yes. Bottle shops. There's a lot of great, uh, great uh, selection of ciders, and it's good to know that they're available. And, of course, we love uh, buying local and uh, drinking local, and um, this is quite refreshing. I haven't had a dry cider in a while, and this is good in a hot summer day. Um, the dryness keeps us um, keeps your mouth palate dry and, ref- and refreshed. Uh, it's crisp. Um, what temperature do you like ciders to be, served? Well, I like them to be cold. Yeah? Yeah, like refrigerator temperature. I know a lot of people like them to be a little warmer than that, but I just think it's more refreshing that way. Yeah, it's preference, too. I think yeah. I think the chilled, well-chilled is, is the way to go because I think it, it also uh, livens up the palate. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there's not it, it's slightly effervescent. There's just like just over medium. It's not bubbly like champagne. It's not bubbly like beer. Um, it's just a little under. So how do you get that fermentation, the bubbles in the bottle? Uh, they're all bottle conditioned. I see. So that means you put the bottle, uh, the cider in the bottle, you put a cap on it, and then you let that remaining sugar bubble and ferment, correct? Exactly. Excellent. Yeah. Well, yeah. speaking with Nancy Bishop, the uh, co-proprietor of uh, AlpenfireCiders.com over in Port Townsend, when we come back from this break, we're going to dive into two other sparkling ciders here, or slightly effervescent ciders, two different cider styles. I see one is a beautiful rosé color, so I'm very excited about that. And coming up on the show, I've got uh, uh, Bob, Rob, uh, Robert Ramsey of Robert Ramsey Cellars is in the house. Um, he's got three beautiful wines, and we're going to check into those coming up on Happy Hour Radio. And if you have a question, uh, send us an email to ask at happyhourradio.net. And if you haven't checked our new and improved sexy... Uh, delicious website. It's happyhourradio.net. So stick around. We'll be right back. Lars Larson has the real story. Weekdays, 6 to 9 p.m., only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Talk Radio 570 KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right. Time for round two and happy birthday, America. 
Hey, I've got the lovely Nancy Bishop, proprietor of co-proprietor of AlpenfireCider.com. They're over in Port Townsend, uh, just a ferry ride away and a beautiful scenic drive to the lovely city of Port Townsend. So, Nancy, um, just enjoyed that uh, Pirate's Plank Dry Cider. Very dry, very elegant and complex. Uh, this next cider you have poured for me is called what? It's called Ember Bittersweet. E-M-B-R? Correct. B-E-R? Okay. Amber Bittersweet. So Mm -hmm. let's taste it. Tell me what I'm going to have in here. You're going to have um, bittersweet apples, and they give a whole lot of depth to a cider, a lot of complexity. Um, They're the ciders that are traditionally used in French ciders. Mm -hmm. I mean, the apples that are used in French ciders. Um, Equally as complex as the dry cider. And I think think our listeners would love... The, uh, the sweetness that's in this one. I think that sort of just gets the brain going like, mm, yeah, first of all, it's got a little sweetness, but that means a yum factor. And it doesn't really um, hinder the complexity or the finish. And I think it also just adds a little bit of body to that tannin level. I think it does, too. Yeah, yeah. so um, this comes in a larger bottle, I noticed. Yes, those are in 750s. And uh, are they they're crown cap or screw top? Those are crown capped. Yeah. And and this would run the fifteen dollar range, uh, more like seventeen. Seventeen, yeah. okay. But they are also certified organic. Mm-hmm. And um, everything bottle, you do is organic. Conditioned. No, we use only organic apples I for see. everything, but all, only part of them are certified. I see. Okay. And um, how many acres of orchards do you have? And you grow it. You're all estate. Oh, not all estate. Okay. But the ones that are certified organic are estate, and we have about a thousand trees ah. on just over an acre. So they're very tightly planted and trellised like grapes. And uh, is this all hand harvested? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't got the machine shaking that thing. <laughs> we don't have all that. No. Shake that no. Tree. <laughs> <laughs> we have a harvest party. Oh. We get about forty people to come. We pl- harvest the whole thing in about four hours. So really, yeah. So fun. Yeah. Now, these apples aren't easy to bite into and really enjoy, right? Because they truly are bitter? Well, they kind of vary. The uh-huh. bitter sharps can be delicious. The bitter sweets, no, you wouldn't want to eat them. Well, um, it's called Ember, mm-hmm. and it's alpenfiresider.com. Uh, I think this is the one for everyone to, to get into. It's uh, That sweetness just mm, actually, and the dryness wants you more, uh, leads leaving you wanting more. And I've already had too much, it sounds like. <laughs> Um, but it's delicious. And uh, this last cider here is a, a lovely pink-orange color. Tell me about this. That cider is really exciting. It's made exclusively with the Hidden Rose apple, which is grown down in Kings Valley, Oregon. And the apple has a pale green skin, and when you cut it open, it looks like a watermelon. It's mm. just gorgeous. And it has the um, nice crisp of a Fuji apple. It's a wonderful eating apple. And then we were just so excited to make cider with it and see that it had, for a single varietal, it even has a layer of complexity to it. Oh, this is amazing. I've seen those apples. They're quite lovely. That flesh is just amazing. It's a vibrant color. Um, And this progression of ciders has been uh, quite delicious. What an experience for me going from the Pirate's Plank to the Ember, now to the Rosé. And um, this is the most remarkable cider I've ever had. Oh, thank you. It truly is. Uh, <laughs> nice. This is on this is on the cusp of champagne style because the acid is so nice and bright, but it's very balanced. And then this this texture and flavor with, with there's just hints of red fruits, but you get this lovely sort of golden, um, almost a white apple flavor through it. And um, I got to take another sip. What does this run? Um, that one is twenty eight. 
Hmm. Also in a 750. That is really amazing. Well, thank that you. should be, I mean, if you, you're having a wedding out there and you want to try something different, this um, rosé cider from alpinefirecider.com is truly remarkable. It's it's beautiful. It's elegant. It's crisp. It's dry. Um, when that acid just carries, and I'm 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 an acid freak because you know, I drink a bunch of Chablis and mm. Nebbiolo and things like that. So I I think when we you have that much acidity, it really carries the palate throughout the you know for a long time that long finish, and it's certainly complex. And uh, what's the alcohol here? This seems to be pretty moderate. It is. It's about 6.8, I think. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, wow, such a treat. And we can find these at Peace uh, Metro Markets, Whole Foods, and some PCCs around Seattle. Yeah, the, the rosé is very limited, and so we always have it at our tasting room. Mm. But we it's harder to find out. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, Nancy Bishop of AlpenfireCider.com, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you. What a treat, and uh, we go from apples to grapes, and right now it's my pleasure to welcome the man behind the label, Mr. Robert Ramsey of Robert Ramsey Cellars. Welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you, Chris. So, um, good to see you again. I'm glad you're here in studio. It is uh, it is America's birthday. We had some beautiful Washington ciders, and now we have some beautiful Washington wine. So, what's the story with Robert Ramsey? How did you get the wine bug? I think I blame my mom mostly. Um, she went back to school when I was about 10 and worked full time. And my brother and my dad started eating Cheerios three meals a day. And that didn't work for me. So I learned how to cook. And I think that's where it started. <laughs> oh, your brother and dad were fine, though? Yeah, they, they thought Cheerios were just great. <laughs> well, the honey nut ones I really like. Uh, I, I <laughs> did, didn't do it for me. Okay, so you got the cooking bug. And then what? You started pairing wine with food? or No, I, I, when I went to college, I started making beer. Uh, uh-huh. And then it, I turned into cider, uh, and the uh, the fermentation, you know, just kept going. And eventually, I wanted to try and make wine. Oh, and so what year are we talking here? Two thousand one, uh, I believe, was the first year that I professionally, quote unquote, made wine. And how, what was your volume at that time? A hundred and twenty some cases. Really? Yeah. And so you went out and borrowed a fermenter, and you what was the first wine you made? I made a, a Viognier and a Syrah, oh, wow. uh, and I uh, I got lucky. I knew some people in the industry, and uh, so I, I got access to some nice fruit uh, from Walla Walla at the time, uh, and uh, off I went. Borrowed equipment. Okay. Did you taste a lot of wines prior to getting into the business, or did yeah. you really have an idea that Washington was your your heaven's you know heaven's gate? No, I had a friend uh, that. Uh, had a really nice wine cellar, uh, wine that I probably didn't deserve to drink uh, at the age of 19 and, and uh, 21, sorry. <laughs> uh, and uh, so he exposed me to a lot of stuff, a lot of European wine. And um, so I, I, at one point I had a bottle of Cote Roti that I, I, I just fell over and someone made this and I, I now I have to try Wow, um, that's ambitious. So, uh, so you had a little Viognier and Syrah, and you said, "This yeah, is it. This is what I got to try and do." No, and everybody was making Cab and Merlot and Chardonnay at the time, right? Well, you got there early because I think uh, the first vineyard was uh, Red Willow in 1987 or 88 or something like yeah. that. 
Um, that was the uh, the late David Lake, master of wine, producing that from that iconic vineyard. And uh, um, you, so 2001. So you were your first. You were making wine in your garbage cans at home, kind of that thing before, or what? No, no you, well, I, I I made an attempt at doing that kind of thing, but as you know, it's very it's very hard to make wine as a hobbyist. You need you need these things called oak barrels, and that's a lot of wine and. The farmers want to sell you grapes by the ton, and I kind of did uh, that math and went, well, if I get a ton, I need three barrels, right, and then and I barrels. Only get to choose one new one if I want to minimize my oak influence, and and then so the next year you get, you know, I don't know, three or four tons of grapes, now I got ten barrels, now I can choose two oak barrels, and then before you know it, you, you own a winery. You just can't help it. So I, I had no idea that your first commercial vintage was 2001. So here we are in 2015, and this will be your 14th vintage. Yeah. And uh, what's your production these days? About 3,000 cases. And how many varieties or how many uh, labels do you have in, in that portfolio? We make about 14 wines. Let me rephrase. We make 14 wines, um, and we play with uh, the five main what are called Rhone varietals. And then some Cabernet. So that's Grenache, Syrah, Morvedras, and so and Cunois. Correct. All right. Yeah. Got it. Using my advanced sommelier degree <laughs> right here. Uh, speaking with Robert Ramsey, the man behind the double R labels here and the Washington winery. Where are you located? We're in Woodenville. And uh, is that the there's like there's sub appellations in Woodenville now? Yes. And there's Hollywood and there's the warehouse and then we're in the hood. In the hood, which, which means, is the warehouse district. Oh, I see. Yes. The hood. Not the house. You should call it the house. We, <laughs> he's in the house, but there's the schoolhouse. So I guess that won't work. Yeah. Well, um, four, 15th vintage, wait, 14th vintage this year, uh, and you're expecting to do 3,000 cases. And are you all under Stelvin? I see these beautiful bottles in front of me, and they're yeah. all screwed up. Yeah, we, went, we, did, we made that move, uh, I think, in 2011 vintage was the first one, um, and we were just waiting. I like that. And uh, I think it makes, you know, there's a little... Um, We've always fought with this idea that wine was was snobbish, and that's that obviously because it was you know from from Europe and we didn't speak French or Italian or Spanish, and then and we had to pull these corks. So now to have a screw top, I think it makes it more approachable. It makes it ready to drink and easy to cap because sometimes those screw uh, those uh, corks don't go back in. But when we come back from this break, I'm excited to taste uh, the 2011 Parlamere, the 2012. Uh, Mason's Red, that's an interesting name, and then the uh, 2012 Cunois from Red Heaven Vineyard. So, speak with Robert Ramsey, the proprietor behind Robert Ramsey Cellars, the winemaker, bottle washer, salesman, and uh, CEO, right? All those great titles. Absolutely. <laughs> so, stick around. We're coming back on this break, and uh, if you're out there looking for something to do, hey, this Thursday is uh, Wine Rock. So, July 9th, check it out, winerockseattle.com, and uh, stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. The home of the great one. Mark Levin. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right. Welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. The Rockets Red Glare and the 
Bombs bursting in air. I've uh, got Robert Ramsey, the man behind the Double R, Double R Ranch almost on these labels. Robert Ramsey Cellars, located in Woodenville. Uh, 3,000 case production. You said you make 14 wines, and I've got three lovely glasses of red wine in front of me. So, Robert, tell me what we got. So we've got Parlamere, uh, which is a Bandol-inspired wine. Uh, it's mostly Morvedra, and like Bandol, has bits of Grenache and Cinso. Uh, and the second wine is Mason's Red, um, another Southern Rhone blend. Uh, biggest piece of that is Cinso, then Syrah, and then Morvedra and Cunoise. And the last wine is uh, Cunoise with 6% uh, Syrah in it to balance it out. Give it some, it's a little bit of heft. Yeah. Uh, interesting. So I haven't heard of wine we're using this much Cinso um, in Washington State. I bet you use the most Cinso. Uh, we, we, if, if we kind of break down the varietals and, and what we get the most of, Cinso, Grenache, and Morvedra uh, are the primary grapes of the most fruit. Uh, then Syrah and Cunoise and Cabernet. Yeah. Very cool. And um, since so, obviously known in the Southern Rhone as uh, the Cunoise as well, and Syrah, of course, uh, Grenache. So Parlamera, 2011 vintage, uh, a little cooler for Washington. In fact, yes. the coolest year, coolest vintage in the last 40, I believe, if, yes. if I heard right. Um, so I would imagine this has a little brighter acidity, um, perhaps a little more tannin structure. Um, but I'm going to taste it and tell me what I'm supposed to taste. Well, for me, Parlamera is like putting the uh, my nose into the part of my spice cabinet that's got blends from Northern Africa and the Middle East. You get a lot of uh, spices like um, cumin and, and cinnamon and cardamom, things like that. Um, and, of course, it pairs really well with those foods. Um, black pepper, white pepper. It's very exotic. Yeah. Uh, it's a red fruit base with um, uh, just a touch of light blue in there and um, definitely uh, red so a bright red um, cherry but the spice note is really predominant throughout this wine and it's very exciting and enticing um, this is a very exotic wine I'm, I'm really surprised how uh, that spice I mean few wines take you into the spice cabinet like this particular blend that's kind of one of our goals our, our MOs is I love spice and earth I love that about old world wine and uh, so we're playing with varietals that that naturally take us there um, and blending with them to, to that end. Uh, interesting. It's a beautifully balanced wine, the bright acidity, and it's just over medium plus, just enough. But the, the tannin uh, is soft. Do you do punch overs or, uh, or punch downs or um, pump All overs? punch down. Really? We, we, we do do some punch, uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Pancho, excuse me. <laughs> Mostly punch down, a little bit of pump over, uh, but we only do pump over if we start to get uh, some conditions that warrant it. Interesting. So um, you need a little more oxygen. A little in the more wine. oxygen, exactly. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, is uh, available where? Well, we sell it at our tasting room in the hood. Uh, we also have a have a uh, a wine room. We call it up on the top of Queen Anne Hill, um, where we do. Oh. Uh, some light music and some light food. Um, so it's kind of a wine bar meets tasting room, hence wine room. I like it. Um, so you can find it there. You can find it throughout bottle shops and grocery stores and restaurants in the Seattle area. Okay, and what would this run? Uh, this retails for around $35. Great. And it's robertramseysellers.com? Correct. Excellent. So Ramsey with an A. Two A's, I Ramsey. guess. Ramsey. 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 The Got Scottish it. version. Perfect. Uh, okay, I like that wine. Um, again, I really appreciate that exotic spice note here. So next wine is the 2012 Mason, Mason's Red. 
Mason Ramsey was my great uncle. Ah. Uh, and he gave me my middle name, and so we gave him a wine. And that was Mason? Yeah. <laughs> okay. He wasn't a Mason, was he? He was not. He uh, owned a, a, a ranch in Texas, in small town Texas, and taught shop, and he was a cool dude. Right on. A dude. Yeah. <laughs> Real dude. All right. So uh, this, again, this is a, uh, a Rhone-style blend? It is. Not one you'd commonly find necessarily in the Rhone Valley. Um, that big block of Cinso is is not usually what you see. Uh, the Syrah uh, and the Cunois and the and the Morvet are in uh, their in their quantities more common. But the Cinso is cool. It 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 it's got I call it this the spicy strawberry shortcake factor. And it's got a really interesting spice nose again and a spice character uh, on the palate. And uh, it's got this really fresh strawberry kind of, maybe almost candied, meets fresh strawberry scent to it as well. Interesting. The acid here seems higher than the first one, the, the 11. Why is the acid a little more um, dominant here? I, I, I like acid like you. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're, we're, we're trying to make sure that we got very balanced wine, wine that goes with food. Um, 11 was an interesting year. Uh, you know, it was very cold, but depending on how the vintner, excuse me, the uh, the farmer was managing uh, the crops level and, and how much mitigation was happening. If they were, you know, had some experience, they could yeah. figure that out. And that's another, uh, you know, hallmark of our, our philosophy is work with farmers that have been around for a really long time and know what they're doing, because I don't. This is a beautiful textured wine. I think the, the mouthfeel is, is soft and generous, but the acid is this bright uh, lightning streak that takes you all the way through. Um, tannin is, is great structure, and uh, this is, uh, how much is this wine? That wine sells for about $20 a bottle. Uh, that's a steal. That's a great little I, steal. I cry a little bit. <laughs> I know the marketplace, you know, when we have all those uh, shelves full with California and, and the big boys, and, and you just kind of got to play the game. So, um, But if you're looking for a delicious wine that's beautiful with food and also sippable by the glass, um, the Mason's Red is, uh, is just a phenomenal value, I think, because you get a lot of complexity here with that great acidity. And I think, uh, like I said, I'm an acid freak, so um, I dig it. And uh, the next wine is Cunois. And this, is you said 100% variety, or you had a little 94. V Viognier or something? A little 6% Syrah. Oh, Syrah, that's right. Yeah. So 2012, um, obviously a, pretty much a normal vintage for Washington, right? A little on the warmer side. A little but, on the warmer side, yeah. but we're going that way. Yeah. And uh, how many sources do you find Cunois at? Do you have like, because I see that we, it says Red Heaven, but is that just one vineyard? Yeah, Red Heaven is a vineyard on Red Mountain. It's kind of nestled in between hedges and Forest Majeure. And uh, they've got a whole lot of different varietals, um, some good Rhone stuff. We source Coon Noir's there because it's one of the only places we can find it. Uh, and uh, it makes it makes beautiful wine. It's nice fruit. It, 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 the, the clusters of a Cunois plant are gargantuan. If you haven't seen them, they're just I and mean, they look like a football. They're kind of so like Morvedra, right? Yeah, and Cinso as well. Wow, all bear claw or bear yeah. bear paws, I should say. Um, phenomenal. There are just a few versions of Cunois, and we have to almost thank Doug McRae for leading the way Absolutely. on the Rhone Rangers for our state. Uh, he's been doing this for coming up on 25 years now. It might be 30 even. Been in the business a long time, and he uh, had some great uh, Rhone varieties. Um, delicious wine. So this is also well-balanced, um, 
moderate complexity. It's not so complex because the single varieties is uh, just you know delicious. I think you get a little bit of a dark fruit in the very finish. Acid is um, is bright, but just really over, just about medium plus. It's not actually carrying that length. But I think this wine has a little more weight than all three of them, and this is a little it more does. fuller bodied. Yeah. And uh, how'd you keep the alcohols in check? Because this doesn't seem high. This is about 14.2. That actually is uh, is so high, I'm not even going to mention it on the radio. Is it really? Um, but it carries the fruit, carries it well. It does. I mean, I'm calling it 14. I said yeah. there's a little warmth here, but um, it's because I've it, it's, uh, <laughs> enjoying happy hour. It, 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 it's, it was an anomaly for us. Um, you know, we were trying to push a particular envelope, and like you said, it's, it's, it's a heavier wine and appeals to a different customer. Um, it's a little bit outside of my comfort zone, <laughs> obviously, which is why I'm I'm not admitting how much alcohol is in it. But um, you get more bang for your buck, dude. Yeah. Although I would say that you know what we're trying to do at Robert Ramsey Cellars is create really balanced wine, and and to not use too much oak, uh, and and to really find finesse. And um, well, there's a good dab of vanilla here, and is this um, it's got forty percent new. Nah, it's less than that. Really? We, yeah. We use uh, mostly punchin. Okay. Um, so most of our wine is made in 500 liter barrels instead of 225. Uh, and But it's definitely French oak. Yeah. And uh, I think it's mostly Dami, which is lends itself to, to vanilla. I don't know that one. Yeah. I don't know that particular Burgundian. cooperage. Burgundian uh, cooperage. I see. Interesting. So take a little Burgundy to the Rhone. Um, very good. Speaking with Robert Ramsey, who's the proprietor, the, the man behind the double R's here on Robert Ramsey Cellars. And he's got a great uh, red blend. Well, he's got, they're all kind of blends, but the Kunwaz is really uh, 94.6, right? Yeah. 94% Kunwaz, 6% Syrah. Um, delicious wine. In fact, I enjoy them all. And it's almost the... Uh, uh, there's such a great progression here. We got sort of lighter bodied, mid tier, and then the fuller bodied wines. But they're all very elegant and balanced. Congratulations! Thank you. Um, and the Kunwaz runs thirty five. Thirty five dollars. Awesome. Well, uh, stick around. We come back from this break. We're going to uh, wrap up with my uh, lovely guests Nancy Bishop and Robert Ramsey here on Happy Hour Radio. If you remember, if you're looking to get out and about, uh, meet me at Wine Rocks. It's this Thursday, July 9th. WineRocksSeattle.com. So stick around. We'll be right back. He's live. He's here. Sean Hannity. Weekdays, noon to 3, only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan. All right, it's uh, the fourth segment, the fourth round, and it is July 4th. The happy anniversary, <laughs> United States. Well, uh, Nancy Bishop and Robert Ramsey, so excited to have you um, share your beautiful products with me, your beautiful uh, ciders and wines. And, and Robert, I want to share that uh, lovely rosé cider. So tell me what you think about this Alpenfire rosé cider. It's gorgeous. I, I think you hit it on the nail. It's more like champagne. I kind of feel like I'm drinking this Chimay of, of ciders. Ah, I like uh, Chimay. And uh, very balanced, and congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And um, what would you pair that that uh, say wine again? <laughs> um, cider with. I I fish maybe off the top of my head white fish. Yeah, popcorn. Popcorn maybe. Popcorn <laughs> shrimp. Pop ah actually that's that's it. 
because you need a little salt in there that just make that uh, that beautiful rosé flavor. That um, what's the apple called again, Nancy? It's called a hidden rose. The hidden rose. You know, oh. it is beautiful with salmon because it matches. Yeah. That color. Uh, <laughs> I like that. In fact, it'd be even a little bit of a uh, cedar plank with a little bit of uh, that smoke on there. The nice barbecue. Um, match that uh, lovely, elegant rosé flavor from the Hidden Rose Apple. Hidden Rose. And uh, that was a, wh- where is that hail from? Kings Valley, Oregon. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Is that where it started? That's actually where they found the sport, the tree, that the... was just a spring up tree, a wild tree. Ah, I, wow. Yeah. So some bird. Yeah. Go figure. <laughs> that's how the, that's how the earth works. Uh, well, Nancy, let's talk about this. You uh, selected of the three wines that Robert Ramsey Sellers provided. Um, you picked out the 2011 Parlamere. What do you think? It's amazing. I hate to admit it, but wine is my first love. And boy, if I could make something like that, I don't think I'd be making cider. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, you're on the way with that rosé uh, cider. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. It's it's really the most exciting cider I've ever had. Thank you. And I love that it's uh, here from Washington. So that's delicious. And so, um, Robert Ramsey Sellers dot com. Yes, sir. And Alpenfire Cider dot com. Perfect. Okay. Well, you got both tasting rooms, one in Port Townsend and one in Woodville, and you also have a tasting room in Queen Anne, right? Correct. And uh, what are the hours there? Uh, we are Wednesday to Sunday, um, most evenings till 8, 2 to 8, and Friday, Saturday till 10. Excellent. So uh, now that it's July 4th, you got to go out and get out and see those fireworks. Please. Yeah. Although Queen Anne Hill is a, is a quite a sight. Yeah. On the 4th of July. My friends live up there, and we always look at uh, the beautiful fireworks over Gasworks Park, and you can see Bellevue, and you can see, like, Bothell, I think, has got some, too. And then, of course, all the, the hooligans out there <laughs> shooting their fireworks off. What happens in Port Townsend for 4th of July? Wow, not a lot. Not that, a lot? No. We used to always have fireworks, but we haven't the last couple of years. Yeah. I don't know what's planned for this year. The austerity program. Everyone has to have their own parties. Uh, I get it, and that's the fun part about it, and I hope you'll be some barbecuing at home. But uh, uh, Robert Ramsey of RobertRamseySellers.com and Nancy Bishop of AlpenfireCider.com. Thanks so much for joining me on Happy Thank Hour you. Radio. Thank you, Chris. I uh, love it. So it is uh, It is summer. Summer is here. It's July. And that means you got to be diving into that uh, rosé cider or some of these lovely Robert Ramsey wines. But if you want something pink as well, you got to try um, Wine Rocks. Wine Rocks is going to have white, red, and rosé, July 9th. It's winerockseattle.com. And uh, next Saturday, it's Proof, uh, the Proof Washington Distillers Guild Festival. It's over at the Fremont Studios, and we've got uh, a huge party. It's really so many spirits uh, that you can taste and remember you got to spit sometimes and uh, or get a taxi home and and uh, be classy folks be classy when you're out at these uh, these fun events because uh, we want to get you home safe and so you can come back next year but proof washington is proofwashington.org it's saturday july 9th over the fremont studios uh, this is the third year of the event so it's a brand new event so excited and uh, um, i hope you get out there because i will be there myself and and uh, I'm excited to go taste and spit and enjoy some food and take some photos and sign some autographs. I'm sure you all want my autograph, right? <laughs> I'll sign bottles and kiss babies. Well, actually, no, 
No babies allowed. Approve. It's on 21 and over. Um, well, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio this week, and I uh, look forward to chatting with you uh, next week. We're here every Saturday night, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., and check out our new website. It's happyhourradio.net. And finally, um, if you haven't tried uh, my new wine label, it's called Coral Wines, coralwines.com. It's uh, lovely white, red, and rosé. All inspired by the south of France. We've got uh, Southern Rhone Blend White. That's uh, Viognier, Marsan, Grenache, Blanc, and Roussan. And we have a Southern Rhone Red. That's Grenache, Syrah, and Morvedra. And uh, just like Robert Ramsey, we are totally into the Rhone. Um, Rhone Rocks. So uh, speaking of Rhone Rocks, they're going to have a special Rhone tasting at Wine Rocks. So... Uh, I want you to send us an email to ask at happyhourradio.net. And if you're on the Twitter sphere, Robert, do you have a Twitter handle? I'm sure I do. If it were, it would be at Robert Ramsey. I'm pretty sure it is. Robert Ramsey Sellers, I bet. At Robert Ramsey Sellers. Nancy, you have a Twitter handle? Yeah, and I don't know it either. <laughs> R Ramsey? Yeah. R Ramsey? <laughs> Sounds like it's R Ramsey. R Ramsey. Well, it's our pleasure to have you on, on the show. So, folks, thanks again for joining me. And um, remember, folks, the life is always better with a designated driver. Happy 4th of July. Bye.